Welcome to It's No Secret, a podcast for Kiwis who want their money questions answered. Ready, steady, go. This podcast will answer the money questions you may or may not have on your mind. We'll talk to real Kiwis and share truths about our own financial lives, both the successes and the failures. Because the truth is, there is no secret to achieving financial freedom. Hello and welcome to It's No Secret. I'm Kat. And I'm Christine. And today on the show, we are tackling the question of how quickly can I get to being a millionaire? With the reality that many Auckland homeowners, even some first home buyers, having to pay more than a million dollars for a property, does that make us all millionaires? And why would we want to be a millionaire or even care? Is there a difference between being rich and being wealthy? Sometimes a million dollars doesn't even sound like that much anymore, but it absolutely is, particularly when you put it in context of a few things. If you remember back to our retirement episode, we said that retirement savings for a comfortable retirement as a city couple, you needed $787,000. And the average salary for 29 to 39 year olds is in the range of sixty-one dollars to $76,000. And that's quite a difference or quite a way away from a million dollars, you know, really making a million dollars sound like a lot. So today we're tackling this question because society can sometimes shame us into thinking that being rich is bad or we have to hide our wealth and that you should always be humble and seek greater things in life. And that is 100% true in some respects. But I guess the hard honest truth is that many people are also motivated by money, not necessarily the exact amount in their bank account, but the other things that money ultimately provides. Are you motivated by money, Kat? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was about to say, Christine, I know you've recently had a revelation about this, so do you want to share that? But before you do, I will answer your question. Yeah, yeah. And I I do think that, you know, ultimately, yes, because – If I think about what my core values are and the fact that I want, you know, flexibility and freedom and the choice to do things, ultimately you get a lot of that choice and the ability to do that stuff from having some level of financial security or wealth. And I also think that making life decisions like whether or not you should do a particular job or get a certain thing or live in this area versus this area are ultimately directed by monetary outcomes or factors. Mm -hmm. So you can't look at it in isolation, right? Oh, not at all. As you're saying that, I was like, oh, that is pretty much my revelation is that I guess growing up, I'd always had this perspective that money is bad. Wealth is bad. Having so money the, is like not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the more money that you get, the worse person you become basically because oh, yes. yeah. how many times I have you come across two wealthy people and you've met that person that is so nice and so generous. And then you've also met that person that is so rude. And I mean, I worked at Cowrie Cliffs as a waitress girl when I was um, in university and summer holidays. And I just yes. remember seeing the stark contrast between those two types of people and being like, huh, I never want to be you. And I do, do want to be you. Which I think is what Bryony said in her recent episode, your personality does doesn't change the more money that you have or you know your core values typically don't change the more money you have so if you're already a bit of a shit person (laughs) when you don't have a lot of money you know you're still gonna be that person when you are wealthy and and the opposite applies exactly your investing in money habits aren't going to change the more money that you get right so that i think that was on what briny said in that like needed to take a hard look at what those are now so that when you do maybe come into some money or work hard to get to that point then you're in a good place so I don't know if I really answered your question the revelation was that it's more around why I guess I have always thought that money is bad or now why I I really 
I'm trying to shift that mindset to think that actually I do want to have money and I do want to be wealthy. I do want to be wealthy, not rich. And we'll talk about the distinction later, but understanding that that's not a bad thing and it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't make me a bad person because I want freedom, like you said, and choice and these things that like at the end of the day, money does buy. It buys you time and time is such a valuable resource, yeah. right? So yeah. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? Oh, I, I just 100% agree. I think we often see rich on social media and then as you say, encounter people in our lives that are truly wealthy. But I guess the challenge around that, and this is something we touched on in the financial comparison episode, is we often just don't have any idea as to how they got there. And so you just mm. often look at people on face value and make up whatever assumptions you want to about their life, not understanding how it is that they've gotten there. So, you know, unless, of course, your internet stalking abilities are on point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well done, you. You dive deep into people's lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing that uh, I guess some of our listeners might be aware of, which is super awesome, is Ruth at the Happy Saver. She, I think from memory, it was maybe about 18 months ago or 12 months ago, started what's called the Net Worth Millionaire Survey that she runs through her website. So people can make a submission if they're a net worth millionaire. And I guess this is probably an important point to clarify when we're talking about being a millionaire and, you know, if you ha- buy a first home property that is a million dollars, does that ultimately make you a millionaire? The short answer is no. You know, when we're talking about wealth and like being a millionaire, we are talking about your net wealth. So your assets minus your debt needing to be over a million dollars. So she invited people that are exactly of that position, net, well, assets minus debt over a million dollars to input a whole heap of different questions as to like what age they first became a net worth millionaire, how they made their money, what they do, some of their lessons, like do they have debt, do they own their own home, how does that kind of look? And it's probably the first insight, I guess, into peeking behind the curtain to see exactly how some of those people got to that place. We would totally encourage you to check them out, but I guess also... They're really fascinating read. Yeah, they it's are so, super fascinating read, but yeah. I guess as we sort of said with the financial comparison, make sure you go there in the right frame of mind and take yeah. it with a grain of salt. Be it, curious rather than comparative. <laughs> exactly. If you're not in a place or frame of mind to be curious and it's just going to make you feel down, do not go there. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. not go there. So when she first launched this, it must have been about 12 months ago because it was sort of like the start of last year. I just had this really meaningless at the time goal that I was like, I want to be a net worth millionaire. Although, you know, the whole number really didn't mean a lot to me. I was just like, I think we're quite close to getting there. Being the person that of course runs our balance sheet on a spreadsheet and I (laughs) do it at the start. This is very nerdy, but I do it at the start of the year as like a stock take but at the end of the year as a stock take of where we got to. And then I do a 12 month projection of what I think we'll get to in the next year. And at the time that I came across this, I was like, oh, I think our projection is pretty close to becoming a net worth millionaire. This is, I'm so excited. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> exactly. And then COVID happened and that just like <laughs> fell off a cliff. <laughs> so I was like, oh God, okay. You know, it is a good, I guess, point to reflect on a couple of things. One is what does being a millionaire even mean? And what is the difference between being rich and being wealthy? Because at the end of the day, it is just a number and it mm-hmm. doesn't actually reflect any success I guess that Luke and I have had in our lives Mm. I know you did a little bit of research on this for this ep so rich and wealthy what's the difference what are your thoughts yes so I found this guy called Morgan Housel wrote the book The Psychology of Money it's really good read so far and he defines rich as having a high current income 
whereas he defines wealthy as having the freedom to choose not to spend money. And so he then goes on to say many rich people aren't wealthy because they feel the need to spend a lot of money to show others how rich they are, whereas wealth consists in caring less about what others think of you and more about how you use your money to control how you spend your time. So in my head, rich is showy, wealth is about leveraging your time, having the freedom to do that through being wealthy. But then he also does say, Wealth means different things to different people, right? And as you touched on, most of us are rich in different parts of our lives and our finances are just one part of that. So we might be in a loving relationship or have a family that we love and it's very much one piece of the pie. Yeah, exactly. Yes, you know, for a lot of people, and I think of, say, like Ruth and Johnny, their definition of probably wealthy is the fact that they've managed to achieve their lifestyle that they want and live in a place that they love. And And that they're debt-free. That's something that Ruth talks about a lot, yeah. The total number for them will be totally different other people's and it's more around have you created your lifestyle that's important to you and done that in a way that's given you the flexibility to build your wealth and get there as soon as possible yeah and are you going to be able to sleep with the choices that you're about to make at night right because that is something that Ruth talks about a lot is that they chose to pay down their debt on their mortgage and they she feels great knowing that they don't have any debt but also you might be able to sleep at night knowing that you have four million dollars worth of debt or whatever (laughs) because you're growing your wealth to ultimately get you to financial freedom right yeah yeah exactly yeah so the question of the day, how do we become a net worth millionaire if we're just Kat and Christine at home <laughs> <laughs> thinking about how to do this? And a couple of sources of information. One, we did a really hilarious Google of like how to become rich. And of course, you get, you know, hundreds of thousands of search results, many of which just spout all sorts of different things, probably not very good. And you can also very quickly down go down the rabbit hole of Uh, finding various get-rich-quick schemes, which I'm sure we're all aware of and that are not the place to start. (laughs) One thing I did find really fascinating about the Happy Saver Net Worth Millionaire survey, there's, I think, 103 answers on there at the moment. And one of the questions Ruth asks is, how did you get your net worth? So trying to find out, you know, what industry did you work in or what's your job or how did this come about? And the vast majority of people have said either through property or owning a business or a combination of the two. We will get into that. But how does someone that just has a salary um, get to being a millionaire? How, how, what are the things that we can actually do to make that happen if that is important to us? That is a very good question and something I think I kind of struggle with on the daily is like, how am I actually going to get on the property ladder? Let's say if I want to leverage the equity in a home or how am I going to start a business? Because both of them are not easy and I guess there's a reason for that, right? Yes. But I think we can start by looking at how we can increase our earning potential to earn more. So for for example, earn more, then you can get your first home deposit faster and then get on the property ladder to then start to grind away and leverage yep. that, right? So yes. how do you increase your earning potential? A great example is chatting to your employers about how you can upskill. So mm-hmm. we talk about this a lot at work because we're like, you know, ultimately you want to provide value to your, your employer and almost make yourself a little bit indispensable to them, right? So that you can leverage your position as best possible. What are the skills that could add to your value in that business? And then also the double whammy of that is how can you get them to pay for that? So yeah. <laughs> what yeah, are the yeah. things that are of benefit to them that they will invest in you so that you can ultimately be better and as you say, grow your earnings potential. So that's definitely a great starting point. Yeah, exactly. And I think to an episode that we did a couple uh, weeks back about starting a side hustle. So there's a lot of merit in doing that because you can learn a lot from doing that as long mm-hmm. as I guess it doesn't impact your 
you know, day-to-day um, yeah. job or lifestyle too much. And see what your appetite is at that point for even starting a business. So yeah. if you're thinking about, well, starting a business is, you know, possibly a way to really push ahead, I guess, in terms of your net worth, starting a side hustle is a great point because not everyone is cut out for running a business and at least then you can kind of put your toe Turn in the water and see, <laughs> yeah. see how you go with it and whether it's actually something that you'd want or if, you know, just having the security of a regular paycheck is actually better for you. Yeah, exactly. It's good to understand that a side hustle you can turn off and on, whereas a, a business you can't. Yes, so you're 100% you, in or out. Yeah, exactly. If you start a side hustle and you find, oh, this is already too much and I can turn off whenever I want, then maybe starting a business isn't the, the thing for you. So it's yep. a good good opportunity to learn like where you also don't want to upskill. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So what else can you do? Well, this is a great question. One of the things that we looked at was, okay, well, let's have a look at what the average salaries are for our audience. And it does vary, as I mentioned, at the start of the episode. So average salary for 25 to 29 year olds within New Zealand is just over $61,000. For 30 to 34, that increases to just over $70,000. And for 35 to 39 year olds, that's just over $76,000. So let's take this just as a starting point of your potential earnings or your current earnings and the ability that you have to save. Now, there's a whole heap of personal finance chat around how much you should be saving in in terms of, you know, future to you, the whole idea of pay yourself first. Maybe you've heard of the 50, 30, 20 budgeting strategy in which the 20 is the amount that you're setting aside for your future. So that's what we used as a starting point, assuming that people can save 20% of their income for their future, which let's just acknowledge is really challenging in itself. You know, completely understand that for a lot of people, I know for us right now, we have no chance of saving 20% of our household income just I guess, with our life stage and current expenditure that we have, whereas at other times that may have been achievable. So you got to take these numbers with a grain of salt, but also we have to start somewhere. Let's assume that of those average salaries, we're putting aside 20% for our future and we just want to get to having a million dollars. That's the goal. So if you're starting at 25 and you know $61,000, that's going to take you roughly 27 years. If you are starting at 30 on a higher income, Uh, that's going to take you 25 years. And if you're starting at 35 on, again, a higher income, still doing the 20%, it's going to take you roughly 24 years. Now, what we've assumed with that is you're investing the money. You're not putting that money in your bank account because we all know bank accounts are going backwards right now. And that is a terrible idea if you're (laughs) looking to grow your wealth in the long term. So we have assumed that you've invested this money in the share markets. But I guess the essence of that whole exercise was – that's quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it just really highlighted for me that the challenge as just a regular person who is an employee is getting to being a net worth millionaire simply from your own cash flow or saving from your own cash flow takes a really long time and it also requires you to be super disciplined with your savings rate. So with that in mind, what can you do? Let's say you've gone through the process of trying to max out your earnings potential. You are being really disciplined with your savings. What else can you do? And I think ultimately it comes down to making sure you are investing in assets that are also then going to produce income and growth for you. So you're not just relying on your cash. Yeah. So that's investing in the share markets, for example, or property or starting a business. That's how Kiwis have traditionally done it. KiwiSaver, we can add to that as well. But when we say investing in the share markets, that's kind basically what you're doing in KiwiSaver. It's just a different structure or superannuation if you're in Australia. The only other thing I would add to that is 
if you don't have the option to start a business, do you work in a business where you can have ownership in that business either through an employee share plan or can you look to join you know an earlier startup company so that you can have some skin in the game so that as that business grows you can also grow because I, I think you know for a lot of employees that have done well that's been a way that they've managed to do that yeah acknowledging that that can be quite hard to find that business but you know yeah. they're out there New Zealand is prime startup land there's exactly. there are opportunities if you're looking for them and if that's your frame of mind so yeah. exactly as you say Christine it's just why the choice of asset and where you're putting your money to work is super important definitely I was just thinking of a, um, an investor that we are going to be interviewing soon yeah. he does a combination of, of the two things in that he follows not a 50, 30, 20 uh, um, budgeting approach. He follows a 30, 30, 30, 10, which is oh, cool. so, What's the 10? Okay, from memory, I think it lives off 30%, saves 30%, invests 30%, and then 10% is like his play money. But I find That's that really so interesting. So he is very strict with that. But then he also has private equity in a company that he used to work for. He invests mm-hmm. in the share markets. He is starting his own business. So he's doing everything. It's the combination, right? Yeah, it's it is. Like it is. You almost want to, without you know overplaying it, diversify your chances of becoming a net worth millionaire, right? As opposed to just being like, okay, I'm just going to buy one investment property and hope for the best that that works out for me. You know, Absolutely. there is definitely power in doing lots of different little things you don't need all of them to come off hugely but the cumulative uplift of all of them will hopefully get you there absolutely and so for example with one up one down I have 7.8 percent shareholding in the company Mm -hmm. and I kind of look at that as like a it's a buy and hold strategy essentially where I also then just kind of put it in the net worth bank where I'm like okay that is contributing I'm going to leave it to those people to continue to grow the company I know that they're going to do a great job so I'm going to check in in 10 years and see how it's going but also because you don't see it every day it's quite a good way to have something working for you in a different way yeah which is so true and I think on that it is definitely worth mentioning that there are investment funds in New Zealand and I also know in Australia that now give individuals access to um, having a share in basically private equity or having you know the possibility to buy in to private equity deals at a much lower base because traditionally unless you're an employee of a company if you want to be a you know an angel investor even as just an individual you kind of need to have like $250,000 plus to really get started in that space so if that's something that you're like huh I work in a business but I don't have that option to me but I am interested in that area there are definitely funds and investment options to us as retail punters to go and do that, which is quite <laughs> cool. Us. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of other things I just wanted to mention going back to this lovely survey that Ruth has done, which I totally think is awesome. At the end of every interview, she has asked the two questions of if you want to build wealth, you should, or if you want to build wealth, you should avoid this. Surprise, surprise. Most of the things that you should avoid answers were to do with borrowing money for things that don't appreciate. Also, spending money on things without thinking about the total cost of that purchase or the lifetime cost of that purchase. So the example that was given that I thought was awesome because I have done this twice times over is they said a free kitten actually costs $2,000 over the lifetime of that cat. And I think that reframing any expenses 
in that way really helps. I'd never thought of something like that before. And the same thing, you know, it applies for say your car or even just things that you purchase for your home. Thinking about it in that way is a really, really good differentiator. And I think also helps you prioritize what you actually want to spend money on. Because oftentimes things can look quite cheap or a good deal up front, but then maybe ongoing, not so much. So Christine, to wrap up, what top tips or a couple of pointers would you say to people either wanting to just grow their wealth overall or that, like me, are somewhat fixated on becoming a net worth millionaire? (laughs) Yeah, cool. So I I think I'm going to wrap up kind of what we said already. So the first one would be to increase your earning potential. So that is looking at ways that you can upskill, whether that's taking opportunities at work or talking to your employer to um, do a new course or things like that, or maybe starting a side hustle to understand what it's like to run a business. Second one would be control your spending. So looking at a 50-30-20 budgeting approach or a 30-30-30-10, like, Yes. the investor we mentioned yes annoyingly um, everything starts with budgeting right? yeah it does <laughs> it's creating the solid foundations and looking at those money habits that maybe are hindering your ability to grow your money currently and yep. will in the future like we said so um and then lastly focus on assets that are going to grow over time because that is going to be the key to kind of doubling down on growing your money yeah a hundred percent is the whole old adage of you want your investments to be working as hard as you work so for the time being guys don't look at your bank account. You know, you need to be looking at income producing assets, whether that's property, business, shares, crypto, whatever it might be. (laughs) Whiskey. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But whatever kind of suits the goal that you have, really making sure that you're putting that to work. Yeah, exactly. Following from this conversation, one thing that we were talking about that I think would be great is asking this question to our future Money Moments guests, because it's always interesting to A, find out if people are net worth millionaires and whether or not that means anything to them, right? Yeah. And on that note, if anyone wants to come on the show and feature in a Money Moments episode, we'd love to hear from you. We're trying to bring in a whole range of various different Kiwis, different levels of experience or financial expertise, whatever it might be. We want to hear all the different stories. So if this is something you'd love to chat about, yes, get honest about, please get in touch with us. You you know where to find us on the gram or on our website and yeah we hope to hear from you if you enjoyed today's episode and would like to find out more about our net worth millionaire resources like the questionnaire or the books mentioned head to our website it's no secret.co.nz forward slash 12 if this episode resonated with you please subscribe and share with someone you think needs to hear it we all have that friend who needs to upskill their finances <laughs> see you next week